Good morning, I'm Gary Cass. I'll be reading our passage today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Hear the word of the Lord. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, sir. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, it's good to see um, uh, some new faces. And if I have not met you yet, please introduce yourself to me. I would love uh, to get to know you. And, and to bring you up to speed as far as what we're doing as a, a church and, and how we, what we, our approach to Sunday mornings and, and the preaching is, normally we go through books of the Bible and between series on books of the Bible, we'll do a church life series. And a church life series is basically an opportunity for us to address a topic or an issue that, that the elders, the pastors believe is, is timely uh, for our church. And you know, as we've been thinking about it and reflecting, um, we've come to this conclusion um, that the spiritual battle has been uh, especially intense lately. Now, we're always in a spiritual battle. Most of us are kind of in denial about it or just don't like to think about it or just completely, you know, uh, crushed by it. Um, but here's the thing. It seems to be, it seems to have been especially intense uh, lately. Many of you, I know, based on the conversations that I've had with you um, and many who could not be here uh, this morning, are going through some incredibly painful dark times. And again, it's tempting, as we've mentioned before, it's tempting to just not talk about spiritual battles because we don't want to sound weird or superstitious. But here's the thing. If you believe in God and his word, he tells you that, that evil is real. The evil one is real, and he wants to destroy you, and he wants to destroy your faith, and he will use dark and painful times to do it. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're in the middle of it right now, and it's been especially intense lately. The evil one wants to use these dark, painful, confusing times to get you angry at God and to get you angry at others. He is trying to hammer a wedge between you and God. He's trying to hammer a wedge between you and your church, your brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants you to think somehow, come to the conclusion that you're better off without them in order to isolate you, to divide and conquer, and it's dark and it's painful. 
And so often, people, I've seen it time and time again, for relief of some kind, they pull away and they isolate themselves. That's exactly what the evil one is up to. You don't need God. You don't need the church. Pull away. In those dark and painful times, you naturally feel hopeless. You naturally feel powerless. And as the Apostle Paul says here, you feel weak. The the Apostle Paul wrote this passage we just read, and he says something, if if, if you're not familiar with it, Uh, if this is new to you, it will rightly strike you as kind of uh, weird and confusing. He says, when I am weak, when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, many of you heard that over and over again, so you're kind of used to it, but you need to remember how weird this sounds, how different this is from the way the rest of the world thinks and why. This does, you know, this, this, Phrase right here, when I am weak, then I am strong. For me personally, I don't know about you, but this thought does not come to my mind when suffering hits. It's not the first thought on my mind when suffering hits. When the painful, confusing, dark times hit you, it's easier to either wallow in self-pity or, or think of someone, or maybe think of someone who has it way worse, and then shame ourselves for struggling. But if that happens, you never end up growing in your own suffering and developing and learning from your own suffering. That, that's what, that's what, exactly what I'm, I'm tempted to do. We need to understand what, what Paul is saying here. When I am weak then I am strong. You know, <laughs> it's, God knew that I personally needed to preach this this morning. I, you need to know that whenever I'm preaching up here, I'm not just preaching to you all, I'm preaching to myself. I want you to know that when I'm preaching, I'm not just trying to persuade you to trust God. I'm, I'm also preaching the gospel to myself to trust God more. And so right now, when I'm weak, God calls me to preach and what it means <laughs> to be strong in weakness. Paul is open about his suffering. He tells us here in this passage about a messenger of Satan that is tormenting him. He describes it as a thorn in the flesh. But then he shows us that what the evil one meant for evil, God uses for good. Satan's effort totally backfires. And I want you all to know this morning, including me, I want you to know that it's the same for you. It's the same for me. And so we're going to look at the thorn in the flesh and tackle three questions. The first question is, what is the thorn in the flesh? Secondly, why do you have this thorn in the flesh? And you all do. And three, how should you respond to your thorn in the flesh? And so the first question is this, what is a thorn in the flesh? Two things, and you're not going to like it. It is one, a messenger from Satan and two, a gift from God. A messenger from Satan and a gift 
of God. Now that sounds messed up, doesn't it? In verse 7, Paul said, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And when he says to keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given me. Paul is saying, when he says that, he's saying, the Lord <laughs> gave it to me. And so a thorn in the flesh is both a messenger of Satan and a gift from God? I mean, how is that even possible? How does that even make sense? No doubt that raises a couple of questions, right? Like, I thought God only gave us good things. I don't get it. Most of you have been a Christian for any amount of time around the church or uh, for any amount of time. You're familiar with the story of Job. And the first two chapters in the book of Job, we get a, a peek behind the, the scenes. I mentioned this book of Job earlier in this conversation I'm about to recount uh, to you a few, a few Sundays ago. Satan goes to God and God says, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been roaming throughout the earth. And God says, well, did you see my servant Job? He's a man who loves me and obeys me. And Satan says, of course he does, but only because you shower him with blessings. But if you take it all away and make him suffer, I'll bet you that he curses you to your face. And God says, I'll take that bet. And so God allows Satan to bring suffering to Job. But God says, you cannot take his life. Now, you've heard that before, but I want to I help you maybe personalize it a little bit. Um, so you can kind of come to grips with something that might be f too familiar with you and you're not applying it. So let me help you personalize it. I told you a couple weeks ago, this right here, this story, and the, all the infliction that Job endured um, made me look at what's happened to my wife differently. And the, the relentless afflictions that, that she has endured. And I imagine God going to Satan, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been roaming the earth. And God says, well, did you see my servant, Shannon? She's a woman who loves me and obeys me. And Satan says, of course she does, but only because you shower her with blessings. But if you take it all away and make her suffer, I'll bet you she curses you to your face. And God says, I'll take that bet. And so God allows Satan to bring suffering to Shannon. But God says, you cannot take her life. I want you to feel that this morning. I want you to have a new perspective on what it is you're going through, the spiritual battle at hand. This is what we see in our text here. The evil one is the source of thorns in your flesh. But you need to know that God is in control. God's purpose is to redeem the suffering for good. Now, when Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, what's he talking about? How is this messenger of Satan manifest in his life? It, it, the truth is, is it doesn't say. A lot of people have speculation about what it might be, but it doesn't say. And so I think that's deliberate 
because that means that this applies to your thorn as well. So when you think about the thorn in your flesh right now, what is it? Personalize it. I want you to be aware of it because I want you to have the hope that God brings you. And I want you to apply it to whatever it is that you are going through right now. Because I'm telling you right now, your theology matters. What you believe to be a true about God matters and makes a difference even in your darkest times, even in your most painful times. What is your thorn? What has just robbed you of joy? What has been frustrating you? What has been grinding you down? And most of the time, those painful thorns usually have to do with a strained relationship. It might be your finances. It might be your health. It might be emotional or mental or spiritual. It might be a combination of all of that. What is it for you? I've got my list. What comes to mind for you? I want us to bring the gospel to bear. Because the evil one's trying to drive a wedge between you and God and between you and your church, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now remember, fight the temptation to say, you know, compared to others, it's not that bad. That may be true, but that's not the best way of dealing with it. God wants you to apply what he says to your thorn in your flesh. Whatever it is, keep it in mind as we look over our next question. And the second question is this. Why? you have a thorn in the flesh. In other words, what is Satan's purpose and what's God's purpose? Well, Satan is trying to drive you away from God, but God will drive you closer to himself. Paul says in verse 7 that Satan's purpose uh, is to harass him, or another word that's used is to torment him. And the word for thorn can either mean like a splinter or can mean a, a sharp stake. And the evil one wants to use it to torment you. And so I wonder if you're experiencing that today. On the other hand, God's purpose for your thorn is to draw you into a closer relationship with him. When Paul asked God to take the thorn in the flesh away, what did God say? God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, this is critical. I mean, this is the only time we see God's direct words in the letter. And God says to you regarding your thorn in the flesh that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He wants you to hear that this morning. Let me ask you, where do we ultimately see God's power made perfect in weakness? We see it in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified in weakness and raised in God's power. 
And so God's purpose is for you to be so close to Jesus that you share in in Christ's weakness, but also you share the, the power of God that will rest on you as well. You are so close to Jesus, you share in his weakness and his power that come together in the cross. Do you see that? God's purpose is to redeem your suffering, to demonstrate to the world that God's grace is sufficient, that no matter how much you suffer, no matter how weak you are, it is God's grace that empowers you to persevere in your suffering because he loves you, he is with you, and he is in control. Again, the story of Job helps us get this. Why did Job have a thorn in his flesh? You know, we, we can read it, at, you know, after the fact. But when Job was in the middle of it, he, I mean, he had no idea. He had no idea. But we do. We got to peek behind the scenes. We see that Job's personal drama on earth started with a cosmic drama in heaven. Satan says, of course Job loves you. You gave him health, family, riches. People like Job follow you because you bribed them. But take away the earthly blessings and Job will curse you to your face. You know, Job had, he had no idea what God was up to. And you know, in hindsight, looking today in history, looking back, millions upon millions of people have been encouraged in their faith because of the testimony of Job. He had no idea. He could not dream of what God was going to use or how God was going to use him with his trial. He had no idea that, that what Satan tried to do would backfire and, and result in millions of people being encouraged in their faith because of Job's testimony. He had no way of seeing that. He had no way of knowing it. And same for you. you you're not, you may not ultimately get your answer to your why, the specifics of it. The question you got to answer is, in light of what you know to be true about God and what he's done, is God worthy of your trust? Is he worthy of your love? Is he worthy of your obedience? Even when all of your earthly blessings are taken away. Is God worthy to be trusted when your life is hard? Is God enough for us or do we need something else? I'm here to tell you and to remind myself that in your struggle, God can be trusted. He proved his love for you and his power in the cross and in the resurrection. And now he is with you. He is for you. He is all you need no matter what. That is your light in the darkness. That is your joy in the midst of pain as you worship him because he is worthy. And you are in the same cosmic drama as Job. Do you see that? Last question. How should you respond to your thorn in the flesh? Two things. 
be real about your pain, and then be thankful for the gift. Again, that still kind of sounds messed up to me, but let's work on that for a bit. Paul was real about his weakness. He was honest. He regularly, openly talked about his struggles and his pain. And it comes down to this. He knows, all things considered, and you know, we look at the magnificent ministry the Apostle Paul had, the impact that he had on, on world history through the power of the gospel. But Paul knows that anything good happening as a result of his ministry is not a result of his strength. It's not because he was a super apostle. It's not because he was strong. It's not because he was eloquent. It was not because, you know, he was, you know, like had this gift for being strategic. It was all in the power of the gospel. It's only, he knows, it's only because of what God is doing in and through him in spite of him. And now he talks about his greatest pain. He talks about what robbed him of joy and just drained him the most, this thorn in the flesh. And then he says, I pleaded with the Lord that it should leave me. And you know what? We should do the same. Plead with God. Ask others to plead with God on our behalf. But if God does not remove it, then we should be thankful for it. As, as if it were a gift, Verse 9 and 10, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content or I delight with weakness. So, like Paul, you should boast in your weakness. You should delight in God's purpose for, uh, so that Christ's power rests upon you. You should rejoice that God is using your thorn to pin you closer to Jesus so that others will see the difference that grace makes in your life. You should be thankful for the opportunity to show others that God is worthy of our worship and love and obedience, even when possessions and loved ones and health and comfort and conveniences are all taken away. But how in the world are we supposed to do that? We can't, not on our own. On our own, we can't. Most sermons would end right before I said we can't. And so you can do this, let's pray, you're dismissed. One of two things would happen. You'd be instantly crushed because you know better you know that you can't. Secondly, you would leave here pumped up and delusional until you get smacked in the face with reality. So, there's more. You know, I know in the, my darkest times, I, you know, I've failed miserably at this so often. But there are other times, I'm telling you, where I was amazed <laughs> to see God's power at work in weakness where things were happening, blessings were just raining down. It had nothing to do with what I created. I mean, Vicky regularly tells me, reminds me of in the middle of all these horrible things, and you guys don't know half, you know, different people that 
have their stories and they're struggling and the pain and the heartache and, and things that aren't going to, to plan for so many people. And, and, uh, and, and Vicki regularly reminds me also of the blessings that God is just dropping in through, throughout it all, reminding us that he is with us, that he's for us, that he's in control. That's one of the reasons we can't be isolated one of the reasons we can't allow the, the evil one to drive a wedge between you and your church, your brothers and your sisters. And then ultimately, when we're reminded of God's blessing, he gets all the credit. And I'm still learning what it means when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But there are still plenty of times when I'm weak that, you know, that I'm just weak. And so you know what the difference is? The difference is in faith in Christ. It is, it is fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. If I focus on myself, if I focus on my, my soul, then I am weak. I'm not saying the sweep it the rug or, or be in denial about it. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm saying that, that when I focus on King Jesus and who he is and what he's done, then, then I have perspective. And, and when I am weak, but I'm focusing on King Jesus and who he is and what he's done, the promises that he's kept, the promises he's going to keep, that is when I am strong. And then delighting in weakness becomes an expression of faith. It is faith laughing in the face of evil. Those are the times when Christ's power rests upon us. It's only then that you can sing, like we're gonna sing right after this sermon that whatever my God ordains is right. It's only then that you can worship like that and not look at it cynically. Without Christ, that would stir up cynicism in the most optimistic person there is. But the truth is, as we sing after that, it's not I, but through Christ in me. That is our hope. You know, it's not really surprising that faith in Christ was how Paul could be strong in weakness. But what is surprising is that Job won the bet for God through faith in Christ too. We see that Job longs for the one who will bring an end to his pain and suffering. You know, uh, I asked my wife this last week about her faith through all of her struggles. And I've told you before, she's taught me more about prayer than any book or theologian ever has, just by the way that she models prayer, just as a daughter speaking to her Abba Father but also in the midst of her suffering. It sounds like something out of the book of Psalms. It sounds similar to some of the things that, that Job was crying out. And if you haven't come to a point of total confusion about what God is up to, you haven't really suffered yet. But you will at some point. And you know, she didn't know if she should talk to God anymore if he was listening or, or not. And I told her, what, what got you through it? And she, and she said, you know, I could 
I couldn't help myself. I couldn't stop talking to my best friend. Now, she told me, she says, I talk to God even more than I talk to myself. Now, Shannon, if you know Shannon, she talks a lot. And I don't know if she's talking to me or herself or the plants or the birds or whatever, you know. Um, but she says she talks to God more than anybody else, including herself. Because she knows that God is there and loves her even though she doesn't understand. She longs for the one who will bring an end to the pain and suffering one day. That was her greatest longing in the midst of it all. For the one who loves her and will bring an end to the pain and suffering one day. And Job longs for the one who will intervene between God and his people and cries out, if only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. Job's faith ultimately rests in Christ. That's why he says, even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a man, me, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. And in Job's moment of deepest despair, his faith and his hope are renewed because he knows there is one who will triumph over suffering and death. And so Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, how my heart yearns within me. He has faith in Christ. And he knows him as his redeemer. When you are weak, the only way you can be strong is through faith in Jesus. By fixing your eyes upon who Jesus is and what he has done and what he is doing. That is why, that is why worshiping together is so important. When we gather together to worship, we are doing a couple different things. We are singing praises to God. We are expressing his worthiness to God through our songs and, and, and through the preaching and, and through our prayers. In addition to that, we are encouraging each other in our faith. You have an opportunity to encourage your brother and sister as we gather together in worship. And this is an opportunity for you to be encouraged by your brother and sister as you hear them proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. That's the only hope you have. That's the only thing that gives you strength. It's having your eyes fixed upon Jesus and who he is. When you are weak, the only way you can be strong is through faith in Jesus. And the truth is, the weaker you are, or the more you realize how weak you really are, the stronger you will be through Christ's power that rests on you. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me?